Hey, Jim, did you know you can adopt a show for less than $20? Really? So does that mean for 100 bucks I could adopt a whole month? Yeah, and if you're cheap, you could choose February and just pay 80 bucks. Vancouver Cooperative Radio. CFRO 100.5 FM. You are listening to CFRO Community Radio Station. The upcoming show, Conscious Living Radio, is a program that explores frontiers of consciousness, spirituality, personal growth, emerging paradigms in psychology, health, science, and innovative philosophies that reflect commitment to the advancement of individual, social, and global transformation. Welcome to Conscious Living Radio. My name is Mark Cron, and today I'm really happy to uh, introduce our guest. But before I do that, let's just talk about Conscious Living Radio, Co-op Radio in Vancouver. Lockdown still happening. The studio still closed. So we are here live on Facebook doing a pre-record as always. Uh, we're going to be airing uh, Wednesday 6 p.m. Every Wednesday at 6 p.m. and has been for 12 years on CFRO Co-op Radio in Vancouver, 100.5 FM. And today I'm really excited uh, for, for my guest. And our topic is really reconnection lessons from the lockdown. And today I get to speak with intimacy expert Alana Pratt. She's a go-to authority for those who have suffered heartbreak and are ready to live unapologetically and attract an open-hearted ideal relationship. She's a certified coach with nearly 5 million viewers on YouTube, and I did take a look. She's got a lot of views, a lot of subscribers, and her videos are awesome, so go check those out. <laughs> and she, <laughs> she offers private group and online coaching programs, programs for singles, couples, uh, and her clients really develop a healthy, intimate relationship with themselves first which naturally attracts and enhances their ideal partnership. And I'm sure we'll talk about that because I have a few questions about myself. Uh-huh. Um, now, this Ivy League grad, she's the author of six books and hosts the edgy podcast, Intimate Conversations. She's been chosen as an icon of influence and is a columnist for the Good Men Project and has been featured in Huffington Post, People Magazine, Forbes, CBS, ABC, TLC, and Fox, not to mention the Jenny McCarthy Show. And her new book that's out, I think, recently, we'll find out more about that, is called Finding the One is BS. Sometimes people think that's BS. I always say it's belief systems, too. But (laughs) (laughs) Finding the One is BS. Becoming the One is brilliant and beautiful. Welcome, Alana. I'm excited to have some time with you as we have this great conscious conversation about relationships, what's going on in the lockdown, what's happening in the world today. So welcome to our program. Oh, Mark, you are delightful. Your energy is just so intoxicating. I'm so grateful. <laughs> Some of the times, um, you know, I almost have to carry the interview. Like um, the other uh, interviewers are not as alive, curious, uh, conscious. So it is a total blessing to be here. And I've already heard in our pre-show little chit-chat that we have, you know, similar friends and teachers, the amazing Suzanne and Sachin Raja. Well, uh, yeah, Warrior beautiful, Sage. Yeah, Warrior Friends, beautiful 
yeah. beautiful teachers that I've had for years and years. So that the whole universe conspired to bring us together right now. I am so grateful and I am so sorry. I just need to turn off my phone. No problem. <laughs> but it's true. You know, the universe always works in interesting ways. And, and this is something I learned in my journey and the work that I do is, you know, it's trust. It'll all work out. Yeah. You're exactly where you are supposed to be. This is exactly what's meant to happen in the divine plan that some people say they think they know. I don't know if ever that they do, but, you know, there's a divine plan and to have faith and trust in that. Hmm. And when you can let go of that, worry disappears, anxiety, stress, all of a sudden, you, yeah, it doesn't mean you don't get, you know, pissed off or angry or frustrated in life. We're human. So we're yeah. going to have a range of, you know, states that we're in. But, but it's having that trust to know that everything is as it should be and we're right where we, we are to be. And I get to speak with you today. I was, like I say, I was excited. I saw your videos and I thought, wow, this woman knows her stuff. She's charismatic. Mm. She's energetic. And in reading, you know, a good part of your book, I, I felt that, you know, especially in your story, which I'm going to ask you to share with our, our viewers and listeners, yeah, very relatable. Mm. Like, you. You, you know, when you were speaking, even though you're a woman, you were speaking to me as a man, I completely understand, mm -hmm. you know, and in my journey, it just made sense. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your story. I know you were kind of grew up close to here in Vancouver. Um, maybe you can just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll see where it takes us. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. So, yeah, I was born in New Westminster in Vancouver. Yeah, grew not up far in from here. Yeah. And uh, grew up in Kamloops, BC. And when I was about 19 years old, I had gone to college. It was Caribou College at the time. Um, and I wasn't really thrilled with it. And I didn't want to take over dad's pharmacy. And I didn't want to be a teacher like my mom. And so I, I had been a dancer since I was five years old, ballet, jazz, tap, all that stuff, right? And I had the idea, you know, I'm going to move to um, Los Angeles, and I'm going to become a dancer. And I'll figure the rest out after that. So Uncle Phil drove a big 18-wheeler semi. And he went down to LA once a month. And so I quit college, much to my parents' chagrin, and uh, sold my car and got all my cash and, and I headed down. And I was brave enough, talented enough, but I didn't have that visa that you need to work in America. And so mm. with about $40 left to my name and my dad's credit card to admit failure and return to Canada, <laughs> I said, hell no. And so I, I ended up getting a job dancing in a show in Japan. And I did enough research to be sure I wasn't sold into slavery or anything, but off I went and it turned into these four incredible years where I, uh, I really learned, as you were saying, that the universe does have our back, that there is a plan. Like, yes, we have choice and yes, we have will. And yet there's another energy that is co-creating with us. And so there I was dancing in Japan, backpacking all over the place. And so I might as well start with a bit of a naughty story. Is that all right? I won't swear. Yeah, please. Swear, right? But, um, but I <laughs> so here I was, this professional dancer, and the very first show, we had to wear G a G-string, like fishnets mm. and G-strings. And I'm like, oh, my, I'm going to get struck by lightning. You know, this is so wrong and naughty. Um, but it was fun. And the very first girls taught me that my, my body is beautiful. My sexuality is healthy. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And so then when we moved to Tokyo, the next job that I got at the beautiful Four Seasons Hotel, very, very classy, Mark, it, um, when I got dressed for my, the very first night, like the choreography was hot. The girls, they were from Australia, France, all these other places. 
there were no tops to the costumes, Mark. And (laughs) I'm like, oh dear, no one's in the audience that I know. I could um, go home, but you know, I'm a good little Canadian girl, so we always do what we say we're going to do. And so out I went on the stage, and I swear, I just felt like like a whore, like a prostitute, like a piece of meat. And the the gentleman, it was like a, a lunchtime luncheon show at the Four Seasons. Um, and the way the gentleman looked at me, a, a lot of them, made me feel so slimy and dirty. And I finished the show, and I, I rode my little ding-ding bicycle all the way home to my little, my little place. And I just sobbed. I just sobbed, like, what had I done? What have I done? But, you know, I kept my word, and I went back the next day. Because what I did notice, Mark, is on the other side of the stage where all the other dancers were. The men on their side of the stage were different than the men on my side of the stage. They were like sitting up, they were bowing, they were quite like reverential and honoring. And I thought, okay, what's up here? And I didn't know it at the time, but you know that ancient um, Tibetan practice, Tonglen, where, I don't know if I'm saying it quite right, but where the monks breathe in the pain and suffering of the world. And they excel out compassion, love, kindness, right? It's like a very ancient practice. That's what these women on the other side of the stage were doing. They were breathing in perhaps a lower vibrational judgment of a body as a thing. And something was happening inside of them. And they were exhaling out. And then everybody would like sit up nice and tall and bow. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm I'm still too embarrassed to admit that I'm the only one that's never danced in a topless show before, so I've still got to try to look look good, be cool. (laughs) But inside, day two, I breathed in this low vibrational energy, and I just decided to affirm, I am a goddess. This is a divine temple. Thank you for noticing. And I exhaled it out of my eyelashes and out of my fingers. And all of a sudden, everyone on my side of the stage sat up and started bowing. And I'm like, OMG, my thoughts, my energy, my point of view, I'm actually creating my life. I am transforming men's attention. So this idea very early on at 20 years old that we create our life, that our point of view creates our reality, and that our bodies are divine, and that sex or sexuality is sacred, this was a big turning point for me, Mark, and in where I went to eventually now, you know, 30 years later, being an intimacy expert, and I can tell you other stories mm-hmm. um, if, if we want to over the hour, but I think that's the most amazing story to tell you of how I didn't plan this. This is what the universe gave me. I was still at choice if I chose to react or respond, and I'm so very grateful to get that beautiful lesson so early um, in life. Well, I like just what you said at the end there, the choice, the choice, because I always talk about conscious choice. Yeah. You know, the choice to react or to respond. Yeah. And your choice to respond and what you got out of that and what you saw, you know, I can only imagine what kind of a transformational experience for you that was, especially considering the cultures are so different. Yeah. You know, from, you know, say, you know, North America, you know, if you're dancing topless, that's a whole different story here than if you're in China where there's a, a sacredness, to, or not China, sorry, in Japan, there's yeah. a more of a sacredness into what you're doing. Mm. And when we look at relationships and really intimate relating, there's a, a history of sacred sexuality and ways of honoring the divine feminine that, in my experience, have kind of been lost in the Western world. Yeah. And, you know, in reading your story from your book, it was a interesting experience when you came home, wasn't it? 
Oh yeah. Well, the, the shame hit pretty fast. Mm -hmm. So I had met uh, tall, dark and handsome, multimillionaire, lovely okay, man. So one second before you go further with, with tall, dark and handsome. Yeah. So the shame hit fast when you were here and when you got back to, to North America, what was it like there while you were working in that field? Over in Japan? Yeah. It's curious because on the one hand, um, I was honored, paid very well, revered if I owned it. But if I didn't own it, if I didn't know I was a divine temple and a sacred being, there was still a low vibrational energy, like you had to invite it. Um, I remember sitting on subways, not being able to understand why these comic books, a lot of um, businessmen in suits were reading. It was called Rape Man. And it was very disturbing. So there is a an underground culture mm -hmm. that isn't necessarily healthy, probably anywhere on the planet. Yeah. Um, and then there is the higher level culture where we are all invited into our glory and our our sacredness, right? So it was a it was both. Models were revered. English teachers were revered. I went into a subway one day where every picture was me. I went to like Shibuya um. Station where there's like millions of people that go through every day with those those billboards where they sort of shift into three different mm -hmm. pictures and it was all my face like i had a lot of success wow. when i when i lived there but that doesn't necessarily mean respect Gosh. success and respect is different like mm -hmm. how much did they really honor my soul and how much did they just think my caucasianness was cool mm -hmm. um it was really down again what you said before my choice to have a new conversation about my my reverence, my sacredness, my yeah. my body. And I had never been taught that growing up in Kamloops. <laughs> and you weren't feeling shame there in Japan. No, I didn't. And in fact, right. even when I backpacked around Thailand or Bali or different places, there was a more of a freedom to be topless on the beach. More, mm. um, at least the, the backpacking communities that I, I found myself in had more of an honoring of our bodies and sexuality as I as I grew into my young womanhood. But definitely a smack when I got home to North America, to mm -hmm. New York City, mm -hmm. where with tall, uh, dark, and handsome. Where we but left thank off. you, with, yes. yeah. So um, thank you for making sure we had that um, juxtaposition there. But yeah, when I got home, I noticed that a lot of the other gentlemen, when they discovered I was a quote unquote dancer, they would start to put their hand not in the small of my back with respect, more down on my butt, mm. and tell me they say, "Tell what kind of dancer." And, um, and it just, oh, it just felt awful. And it was too much. So many of them and only one of me that I just, I just crumbled. I started to doubt the, the beauty and joy that I'd had. I started to doubt, was this really a divine temple? And then all the other wives or girlfriends just said, shut the F up, sign the prenup. You're a lucky girl, go for this. And I thought, no, but that's not who I am or what I'm made of. Or how I how I choose to roll. I, I'm such a heart centered woman, but I was so um, insecure. Still hadn't done any of my real inner personal inner growth work. Still had daddy issues. Still was looking to be approved of, find approval in the other, find security in a man. You know, a man is a plan. All that kind of stuff. So I. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but it was true. That no, was the I, level of consciousness I, I had. I. Hey, it's. It's been rampant through our history as a society, right? Yeah. You know the you know the Disney way of doing things, and you know the fairy tale, white picket fence, three car garage, whatever that might be. So, yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah, yeah. I just thought, was, I just thought it was funny. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a he was a nice man and all. 
Um, and he did want to provide and protect me. And I thought I was the luckiest girl alive. But as I began to evolve, we were together for about six years. As I began to evolve more spiritually, that wasn't welcomed. That was a little weird. And so I began to hide in the closet to meditate, really try to stay away from the other gentlemen that didn't treat me or touch me uh, appropriately, didn't know how to be with the other wives, had a deeper, I mean, I was going to Columbia University at the time. I wasn't just going to go shopping, mm-hmm. you know. So um, in the end, that, that relationship ended, especially when we moved to Los Angeles and I found more conscious, my kind of conscious people and places like Agape and, you know, Reverend Michael and all of this. And I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy after all. Um, <laughs> all right, there, there's more, or there's a lot more crazy people together here, one or the other, but like, I'm feeling better about this. And I, I had the, after, you know, counseling and therapy, et cetera, decided to complete that relationship. Mm. Wow. Well, what a great story because I know it t- took you down your path in terms of the work that you're doing now as a intimacy coach, relationship yeah. expert, and you talk about some pretty interesting and juicy things on your YouTube videos. Thank um, you. One thing I like about your YouTube videos, and I want our listeners and viewers to know, to go check her out on, on YouTube, Alana Pratt, um, they're short. You can grab some great nuggets of information and quite frankly, I thought they were spot on. Of course, I didn't watch all like 937 of them I think you have (laughs) up there. I know there is. Um, But I I certainly, you know, tuned into a few that uh, I thought were interesting for me as as a guy. Um, Mm. But I just, I love your approach and your playfulness. When you talk about being, you know, such a heart-centered woman, I really saw and felt that through just coming through on your videos. So I just wanted to share that with you that, uh, and any watch, you know, listener, anybody watching, you know, go check them out because there's a lot of great content there. Thank Um, you. And I know that, you know, today we're here, you know, we're going to talk about whatever we end up talking about, but part of it was, you know, the sign of the times lockdown and you're talking about reconnection, um, you know, during the lockdown and, also, I had the opportunity to get started, and again, I was honest with you, I didn't get all the way through your book because we okay. booked this on short notice, um, but, but I got through about half of it, and I just, uh, I, I love the way that it connects because you're talking about the one and the BS yeah. around that. Yeah. So let's start going down that road, however you feel is best for what people need today. Yeah, thank you. So my sixth book is called Finding the One is BS. And it's the full word, but that's fine. We won't say I'm, yes, I, exactly. I'm sorry. I, I swear a lot. I don't, that's the small town Kamloops girl in me, I guess. But It's okay. Um, I understand. As do I. <laughs> and, um, and finding the one is brilliant and beautiful. And then there's a tiny little subtitle under that that says, and ironically, the key to attracting your ideal match. And I, from that first story, you can tell that I had it backwards. I was, mm-hmm. you know, finding the one first, thinking then I would finally be enough. And I think that's very common with a lot of us. And another part of that re uh, or miswiring that really applies to going through COVID and lockdown, et cetera, is that there's this, this common complaint, everything's so uncertain. And I'm like, when the hell wasn't it, people? Like, when, when did we actually have control? Like, never. And so the idea with finding the one, it's an outside-in conversation. Mm-hmm. When I get something on the outside, I'll feel okay on the inside. And same with COVID. When, when my external circumstances I can control, I'll be okay. But if I have to find safety and security and worth on the inside, 
most of us haven't really been wired properly or rewired so that we cultivate that relationship on the inside so that in the face of anything, be it COVID or somebody just didn't text you back, like, you know, that, that breadth of example, we, we don't lose our marbles. Yeah. We can stay centered. We can hear our intuition. We can stay connected to the best of our brain. We can keep our heart open. I had the blessing of uh, leading a meditation for HeartMath down in Mexico at their annual conference before COVID hit. And just, wow, like the alignment of what I intuitively have learned and, and uh, practiced for so many years being completely, you know, scientifically proven to be true. So one of the lessons of, of, of COVID, a beautiful lesson, is to remind us we're not in control. Everything is inherently uncertain. We do have choice. We can be discerning and aware. And when we are finding and doing the work to heal whatever triggers or charge or past traumas or what have you, and we can, I call it little you, not that you really open up your heart and find a little stick person, but let's just imagine (laughs) that in your heart, there's a little you. And instead of seeking a person or a situation or a circumstance or money or anything on the outside to find that sense of, ah, what if we learn to find that on the inside? And so COVID invites us in a very intense way with uh, isolation, loneliness, or wanting to have your partner abducted by aliens or (laughs) wanting to sell your children or whatever, like challenge it brought for you, be you single or in a relationship. Well, and and I think the safety is on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I want to interject on that, especially, you know, with the lockdown, when people are all of a sudden, they're not working, you know, most people spend more time working than they do with their family and their loved ones and their kids and now all of a sudden yeah we're forced into being together you know there's only so much netflix you can watch and you know youtube Mm -hmm. before you start going stir crazy because again it's putting it out there you're looking for it outside yes and i had a conversation with some good friends of mine a while back when this began is you know if if your relationship issues are starting to get trigger and pop. Yeah. They were there before. For sure, Mark. Right? Yep. They didn't just show up because COVID showed up. Nope. 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 Right? Yeah. But now the spotlight's on, Yeah. you know, more time together, proximity. Yeah. It, right? And that's the gift of it. Mm-hmm. We used to be able to operate with a little bit of Facebook over here or a little bit of like buy my 17th pair of shoes over here and you know like we used to be able to gloss over it i call it sprinkles on top of the ice cream cone of crap like we used to (laughs) we used to be able to get away with it and covid has forced us to really look and that's a beautiful gift to feel what we haven't been willing to feel face what we haven't been willing to face integrate because you can't get rid of fear you can't get rid of annoyance you can't get rid of overwhelm but you can integrate it you can process it. You can heal it into the lesson that it was meant to give you all along. Mm-hmm. This, this fortitude, this resilience, this surrender, this letting go, this connecting on the inside, finding that safety, security on the inside, a deeper spiritual connection to the divine. L- literally, when we're in coherence in our heart, the best of our brain is there, a creativity, an abstract way of thinking that you've never actually tapped into before or and intuition and instincts that you've never slowed down to feel and listen to before. Mm -hmm. And then even beyond that, the non-local field, the universe, the divine, the field, the cosmos, whatever word you enjoy, it's talking to us too. And so all of this is possible if instead of 
reacting, blaming COVID and blaming your spouse or your kids or your loneliness. Instead, going like lean in, sit in the fire, like bring it on. I'm yeah. here to burn and evolve into my best self and, and give my best self to the planet that needs us now more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about, <clears throat> you, you brought up that word blame. Mm. And, and for me, it's always one of those things where when we start blaming other people, often we're not really, and I think probably always, <laughs> you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we're not taking responsibility for our own self, for our totally. own action, for our response versus our reaction. Totally. And the reaction is that unconscious trigger from whatever we had in the past. Yeah. Because there was something you said earlier too about, you, you were, how did you put it? But it was about you know, the, it was really about conditioning and getting yeah. back to our core versus kind of, you know, what we've been conditioned to be. Because yeah. we always have that peace inside of us is who we are as a spiritual being, right? Yes. And then yes. there's that conditioning on top of all of it. Yes. And when we start blaming others, we're not taking responsibility for myself. And one thing I've always found is as soon as that happens and people start blaming you and, and you actually accept responsibility, you're right. It was actually me. That was totally me. I made that. I did it. All of a sudden it totally takes all that energy it's gone because all of a sudden oh he took responsibility yeah beautifully said and let me add one piece to that because that's brilliant so if somebody quote-unquote blames you for something and you can take a beat Mm -hmm. breathe into your heart feel your feet on the ground like be here and then really be curious Maybe they're not 99% right, but maybe they're 1% right, or maybe a little more. And you can go, hey, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. And then the next step would be like, how can I make up for the damage done? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not enough just to say I'm sorry. It's a great start, but like, let's now lean in and grow and learn. And then that's when you can move through conflict and actually become more intimately connected. Because not only did somebody, did you hear somebody you took it to heart, you owned it, and you grew, that's going to elicit respect out of them, trust mm-hmm. out of them, yeah. admiration out of them. And if you do that long enough, devotion out of them when both parties can do this. So another great practice that we've I've learned from our teachers who are in common, um, Warrior Sage, was is the dyad. And yes. it's a very simple process, and I won't go into a long detail of it, but the, the core aspect of it is when you're talking back and forth, all you get to say is thank you. And thank you doesn't even mean to mean I agree. It's just the practice of not blaming the other, not reflect or deflecting or justifying or checking out and I'm out of here. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, you got to sit there. And I encourage you to sit there with your heart open without rolling your eyes and really say thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. And when, when couples or friends or talking to your kids, it can be used anywhere. When you really feel heard by another understood by another ooh, something calms down inside and we women don't keep talking and talking and talking because he heard on the first try and it's like oh i don't have to do this ad nauseum and then we don't have to say we need to talk like we don't need to do that anymore we have these sacred dyads once a week or once a day if you're in crisis where you really connect heart to heart and hear each other omg it can change your relationship on a dime well, and, and, you know, hearing each other, wow, what the first thing that popped into my head there is just being present. Yes. Like how yes. many times, especially, you know, busy work, busy life, we're all these high performers doing crazy things in, in our Western society these days. Yeah. And, and it gets to that point where 
are you being present when your partner's talking to you? Are you like, are you hearing or are you listening? Great. Are you three steps ahead? Yeah. Somewhere else ready for the rebuttal? Or are you just going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ignoring yeah. them and, you yeah. Know? Yeah, I, I had a funny story years ago, one of my relationships. I was watching something or doing something, and she was talking to me about, and it was about toothpaste and something. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what it was. But she goes, you're not even listening. I go, yes, I am. And she says, what did you say? And I was able to repeat back what she said. Uh-huh. However, I wasn't really listening, right? Yeah. I was because I was yeah. totally focused on something else. I was just repeating it, yeah. which is still not being present and not listening. Yeah. But it's like, how many times do we go through our lives that way? You know, not just with our intimate partners, but our family or friends or coworkers or clients. Completely. Or yeah. You bring up a great point. And we, we throw this term around be present, but like, what does that really mean? And how do you really do that? Not like I'm the expert on it and I'm always a, you know, an eternal student, but being present for me is scary. It's very scary because I'm, I don't have my rebuttal. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I'm not going to run anywhere. I have no control. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm com- everything's completely uncertain, and here I am. I'm present in that I have choice. I I, I can respond. I, I I can be discerning, and I can be aware. I have my faculties. My heart is open. I have my intuition. I've got the best of my prefrontal cortex going on. But other than that, I'm completely out of control. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why so few people really are present. Is it takes bravery. It takes bravery and humility to really be present and just listen for the sake of listening, just to understand, not to get anywhere or be right or be in control or dominate or any of that, but just be. It's just Mm -hmm. be. It takes a really, really brave human to be able to be that, which is really a gift, I think, to ourself because it says to our little you inside our heart, like I said before, hey, I got your back. I don't know what's going to happen. I know. But I gotcha. If we get rejected, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. If they like us, I gotcha. If we need to create a new solution and we fall down, we need to get up 10 more times, I gotcha. So it's an inner cultivation of confidence for no reason, mm-hmm. presence for no reason. And it's an energy. People feel it. And then, of course, it's a massive gift to whoever you're talking to because they don't feel your strategy and your agenda. They go, oh, my God, it's so safe to be with you. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just delightful to be with you. Um, yeah. And, and it's a practice. You mentioned earlier the word practice as well that I wanted to come back to because even in what we do in a dyad or even being present, it's a practice of coming back to it. And, yeah. you know, a yoga is a practice. When, when do you practice? When you're dead, really, or when you stop, I mean, because yeah. it's always about mastering and making it better and better, right? Yeah. And the first place to start is knowing you're not being present. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And really Mm -hmm. tuning in. And like you said, it it can be scary. It can be uncomfortable because we're too busy being busy up here. And it's Mm. something that you mentioned when I was watching your your noble badass video, because I was watching for man strategies. Uh Um, You know, you talked about everything below the chin. Right. For the men, you know, you know, us men get in our head trying to say and do everything right. Yeah. And then we miss our heart. We're not in our body because we're in our head. Yeah. And I I love that you talked about, you know, meeting that energetically, you know, through your heart and your pelvis. See, I was watching. Good, good. Penetrate her three ways. Exactly. So you use all three, you know. Um, And I learned something from that video, too, just for my own self, from that sense, because mostly in the head and the heart. But I've 
kind of shut off down there in a way because I don't want to be this sexual vampire in community or anything of that nature, creating yeah. safe, sacred space for all people. Thank and when you, you do that, yeah. everybody gets to be real. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Thank they you. get real. You see all the beauty. You know, I always call, I have a joke about being shallow held. You ever see the movie Shallow Hell? No, I know of it though. Yes. Okay. So it's a Tony Robbins, one of my favorite teachers. And for those who know me, knows I'm in the community, but he, he hypnotizes Black Jack basically, or does whatever he does as they're stuck in an elevator okay. where he would see the inner beauty of all women. Because him and his friend, who was Jason Alexander from Seinfeld, they were, um, they were womanizers and players. And so Tony, Tony set him up in a way that he would see the inner beauty of all women. So even if they weren't necessarily what we deem physically attractive, he'd oh, see yes. their inner goddess. Nice. Right? And so that's really how I've, I have my jokes. I've been shallow howled, you know, in, in the Tony world. You just start seeing everybody's inner beauty. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's about women not being prey, being able to self-express, being vulnerable, being authentic. Mm-hmm. And in everything we do is always about authentic self-expression with the events mm-hmm. that we lead and, and getting down to being the best you you can be and making a difference in the world. But I just think it's interesting that when you talk about that, you know, we get back to, you know, an authenticity and a realness. And just because that happens doesn't mean I have to have sex with you or make love to you. I can still love you and not be with you. Mm, you know yes um and it's part of something i learned in the tantric practice where love with pleasure is medicine and it doesn't have to last forever it doesn't even have to be of a sexual nature it doesn't have to be any it's just love Mm. right Mm. which is really from the heart beautiful i love what you're saying one thing i want to go back on so i don't forget it and then let's continue with this you were saying that being like the present presence and sometimes we get scared and then we have to come back after not being present one little piece there i just wanted to add is the quickest way for um me anyways and people that i've learned from to come back to presence is when you discover you're not don't judge that you weren't present mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a subtle little step but often when we're not present we go oh darn or oh that was because of them or oh, i did it again or and that takes even longer to come back to presence if you could just yes, have sir. grace gentleness compassion you can come back to presence a lot sooner and that tends to be a lot easier said than done you know for yes. those of us who are motive or were raised to be motivated by fear and domination and criticism and rejection you mean i could be kind to myself and get a result like that doesn't compute for a lot of people like mm-hmm. i need to push i need to have willpower i need to overcome i need to triumph i need to suffer maybe not maybe you could just choose to come exactly. back to presence well and, and suffering quite frankly, and the way I look at the world is in most cases for many of us is really a choice. Yeah. And that's a whole nother conversation. But what I wanted to say on top of what you said is when you're coming back to being present, when you notice you weren't present, you were actually being more present (laughs) because you're aware that you weren't being present. (laughs) So there is a level of presence there that is a conscious awareness because that's how we create change you can't change what you don't acknowledge so all of a sudden you realize oh i lost that connection i wasn't present with her or with him or with them yeah that in itself is an awareness is a presence and is a breakthrough that needs to be acknowledged absolutely beautiful because that's the practice that's the practice yep yep back to it exactly so when we can come back as you so beautifully said with presence back to presence, then these vulnerable moments are possible. You could literally, I mean, I've even coached some of my gentlemen clients. So I coach women and men and couples. And at first it was only women, but the universe knew that I was getting a little bitter 
two divorces and needed me to see and be reminded that there's beauty in men and, and beautiful hearts. So as I was coaching some gentlemen, well, what do I do? I wasn't present. I was just staring at her boobs and I'm so embarrassed or I was <laughs> off in the future going, I wonder if she's the one I should marry her. Like I, I just missed everything she said. And, and I said, okay, great. Well, this is where the strength of vulnerability comes in. A noble badass isn't just a badass, as you were saying, not just the pelvis or not mm-hmm. just you know, the penetrating eyes, but it's like eyes, heart, pelvis all together, and probably seven if I really wanted to go through all of the chakras as well, but we'll just do those three. Mm-hmm. In that moment, vulnerability might sound like, hey, excuse me, um, you're so attractive and so lovely, and your energy is so, like whatever's true, right? Say mm-hmm. you're, it, I didn't hear at least the last two sentences. Could you please repeat yourself, please? Because I'm just enjoying myself so much. I'm sorry. And to a woman, that's endearing. We can tell when you're not listening. And then you pretend that you were. No, no, no. I think we can even respect you more, feel safer with you when you can own it without blame, without justification, without putting yourself down, just a little humor and right back on track again. They're like, dang. And then it can even be flattering. It can even bring you closer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and put this phone, put this thing down, right? Yeah. Put this thing down. Yeah, for sure. Cause that'll interrupt your presence when you're, especially when you need to be present, there's a time for, you know, that and then there's a time to really be focused in today's world we have so many distractions because everybody and everything and every business is vying for our attention it's vying for our our customer loyalty it's vying for appreciation significance all of those things yeah and that's why i think it's really important during this lockdown now we're here i'm here in vancouver british columbia and you are where in california outside of la Okay, so how's the lockdown for you right now? We're in full lockdown in the state of California. So you can't, no restaurants, the, just your wow. main things like grocery stores, gas stations, doctor's offices, banks, that's it. Full, right. full masks, uh, the whole works, wow. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. see here in Vancouver, we're actually pretty liberal. People are out, businesses are open, people are mm. at the beaches doing stuff. Um, I've seen more masks in the past two to three weeks as the second wave is you know, starting to come upon, you know, the Mm. news and the media and and what's going on and the numbers are going up here in BC, but we never even fully experienced that full lockdown that so many people are um, around the world in the United States. I've talked to a number of friends and and associates down there and it's, it's just crazy. So how do we, how do we navigate that? How do we reconnect or at the very least keep connected even? Yeah, it's such a great question, especially if you're uh, single and you're like, how do I date? Do I meet them? Do I kiss them? Do we do six feet apart and go for a walk in the park? Or like, what J- do we JP do? Spears has a good video on that of how you can, the suit that you would need for that. It's quite hilarious, I'll just say. JP <laughs> is delightful. I have had the pleasure of being on similar um, panels with him. He's hysterical. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. met him a couple of times in the Tony world. So. Oh, really? Is yeah, he yeah. in that world too? So <clears throat> yeah, well, good. he was attending some, 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 uh, some events. And of course, he had to do some videos about them. <laughs> oh, he's... Yeah, he's a character. He's brilliant, brilliant yeah. man. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, like, how do we reconnect? And and then let's say you have your you're taking care of children, you're or maybe you're taking care of your elderly parents. It's like another level of responsibility when you go out in the world, or 
or not? These are all questions that we need to like personally address of what is your own truth. I don't think there's a right or a wrong here, but it needs to be in aligned with your truth. And again, how do we find our truth? Out of our head, breathe down into our heart, get an alignment, that unity that occurs when your heart and your mind do that har harmony together and your mm -hmm. intuition is like right there. That's how you find your truth. Um, okay, so but, let me ask you this real quick, yeah, because please. we always love to give our, our listeners, <clears throat> you know, a nugget and a gift and a tool. Okay. Um, what's the quickest, easiest way to align your head and your heart? Is there a heart math exercise that we can do yeah. um, that, that brings that into play? I sort of mix um, HeartMate and my own my mm -hmm. own shtick, um, yeah. and uh, and it went over well with the HeartMath people down in Cancun. So at the annual conference, so HeartMath teaches us to put our attention on our heart, mm -hmm. and to breathe through our heart, and to slow down, lengthen our breath and our heart. And then they remind us that we can't think our way into harmony; we can only feel our way into harmony. Mm -hmm. So we feel appreciation for someone or something. And, and so I believe that in our practice of living in our heart, it's pretty easy to feel appreciation for the good stuff. And mm -hmm. so that could literally raise your vibration quite quickly um, or your coherence level quite quickly. And when you get to a certain level, the, um, the best of the brain turns on, not the reptilian like fight or flight or freeze, really the prefrontal where you have the creative thinking. So that's what happens scientifically when the heart is in coherence and then the best of the brain turns on. And then your intuition also turns on. But I like to challenge my clients um, and my community that, okay, so appreciation for the good stuff, that's easy. Well, last time I checked, there was a lot of other challenging stuff out there. So I don't like the spiritual bypass way of way of being like oh i'm so fine as long as i meditate all day until someone cuts me off in traffic and i become a lunatic i'm like okay so how can we also have appreciation for the challenges and that has more of a flavor of compassion for self and compassion for the circumstance so you can and i literally have like a, it's called an inner balance it hooks up to your ear and your app on your phone and you can measure yourself mm -hmm. and so when i began to practice appreciation for the tough stuff I didn't do so well until I really tapped into compassion. Oh, Alana, you're doing your best. Or, oh, so-and-so's doing their best. Empathy and compassion has a very similar vibration um, measurably as appreciation and gratitude, love and kindness. So if you're having a really crappy day, don't just throw away this practice. Start to feel compassion for yourself. See little you in your mind's eye. Go to them. Give them a hug kiss the top of their head, rock them a little bit and whisper, Hey, you're doing your best. You have every right to be scared right now. It's a, it's COVID baby. It's a pandemic. Okay. You mm -hmm. have every right to be scared. I got you. I got you. I've got your back and you'll watch the number raise. So that's part two of a, of a practice that we can all do appreciation for the easy stuff. Compassion for the challenging stuff keeps our heart open in the face of anything. Part three, so I'm, still, I'm, I'm, I'm a little competitive from time to time. I have a, a very strong masculine drive, and I think I have a very, um, what do we want to call, more receptive, allowing feminine side as well. But my masculine drive wanted the number to be higher on that, that damn like inner balance thing from heart math. I'm like, I should be up here. And as I was behaving like this, I noticed how attached I was to the results. And how it was very important for me to be good at this and all the significance I was playing around this. And as soon as I'm like, oh my God, let that go, girl, let that go. Schwing, the number went way up. So part three of this exercise is to just let go of the importance of it all 
and just come back again to that present moment, which we have discussed takes bravery and humility and practice. And yet when you let go of the results, let go of the outcome and just be here now as quote unquote, they all say, the number goes even higher, which allows for an even greater unity of heart and mind. Mm, thank you for that. <clears throat> and, and again, it's a practice. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and and I, I, I relate. I've, I've done some of those tests too. It's like, oh, I really should be higher. Yeah, <laughs> really, I'm that low. How dare you? <laughs> right, it's very humbling. Very, very no. humbling. <laughs> it was. Uh, I was speaking at a retreat uh, in Madison, Virginia, last year, pretty much this time. And yeah. uh, Randy, I'm never sure how to. Witt, Wittenheimer. He's uh, he's a okay. guy at TV. He's an energy guy, and he's brilliant in so many ways and, and he's reading energy and he's given all these people their scores and you know i get mine and the same thing he's like okay you know it's like hang on a second and because then he's telling us what it all means and i'm like mm, really no <laughs> you know and we're, all of a sudden all of us who are there who are getting us are competing against each other and that's mm-hmm. one thing i just i want to draw out is just like it's about owning where we're at yeah because if we don't know where we're at how do we even know where we're gonna where we're going if we know where we want to go? Yeah, it's, right? it's so like, true. It's like having that map. If I want to go down and visit you down where you are in California, and I'm here in Vancouver, and I don't even know where that is, and I look at a map, all I know is where you are. I don't know how the hell to get there because I don't know where I'm at. It's so true. It's right? so true. So that ability to have humility and be the eternal student as we become more masterful in our spiritual growth path is very important. Mm -hmm. And I never really, and I won't go into a long detail about it, but my second marriage was a very humbling experience for me in terms of a very long custody battle where I wanted to be right and I wanted to be the mother bear protectress of my child. And it was very much, I'm right, you're wrong. Don't push me away. Our child deserves his mother. I was all very righteous about a lot of things. And when things finally changed, Mark, it took about 12 years of uh, of personal growth work and and all the rest of it. But a a coach arrived on the scene and, and I was complaining about my ex being an a lying effing F headers. I mean, it was like, I was like lots of exploitives. And he said to me, great. And where are you that? And I said, Oh no, no, I am holier than thou. I do all my personal growth work and I'm a leader in my community and blah, 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 blah. He goes, okay, so I'm going to give you like toddler homework. Where are you that to yourself, physically, mentally, spiritually, vocationally, financially, socially, uh, romantically, sexually. That's easy. He said, when you're ready for your PhD homework, where are you literally that to others? I said, nowhere. He goes, mm, according to another's point of view. And that hit me between the <clears throat> eyes. And I'm like, OMG, according to my ex-husband's point of view, I said I'd be married to him forever. And I divorced him. I humiliated him in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. I took his child away from him half the time. So from his point of view, I was exploitive, exploitive. I was that. And in that moment, it didn't need to be my point of view and my righteousness. I could actually get into the shoes of another. And for a moment, it was this oneness mark of like, oh, I am him, him, he is me. We are one. Oh, my God. And all of that trigger and the righteousness and the superiority dissolved. And while I still didn't condone the behaviors that made me say what I was saying about them, that was still true. But all my judgments dissolved and I could have some compassion 
for his point of view. Mm -hmm. And it was very curious that after that, you know, deep exploration and, and I was humble and brave and I did that homework that the court stopped, the court stopped. And then the solution was not what I thought. And this is another piece I want to give everybody. When you have a challenging situation or an obstacle and you let go, you do your inner work and you give it over to the universe of like, I've tried everything. Show me the way that humble, show me the way many ayahuasca ceremonies. That's what, not my first ceremony. I was a little righteous, but I learned quickly. You don't say that. You just say, yeah, show me the way. Don't, don't argue with grandmother. Don't argue with Panchamama. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when that happened, the solution wasn't what I thought. And yet in hindsight, it's the highest good of all. In the end, we decided that our son would live with his dad because then if he had total control and I was out of the picture, there was peace. And I had to be humble take the high road, not guilt trip my son, not be a big old victim, not make my ex wrong, but that's what it took for the court after a decade of court to end. And for me to trust, this is all the way back to the beginning of the interview when you said like, can we trust there is a plan or can we trust the universe has our back? Mm -hmm. I had to trust, no, this is, there's something bigger happening here. Just put one foot in front of the other, do your work, it will all be revealed in the end. And it still, quote unquote, hasn't been revealed. He's still living with his dad. So I'm still in that place of faith and mm -hmm. bravery and humility and letting myself be the most present I can, listen to the truth the best I can, serve humanity the best I can, take love myself and savor the moments the best I can as all of this unfolds, which I bet is how a lot of people feel. You know, when am I going back to work? When can my kids go to school? Is my marriage going to make it? Will I ever meet somebody and will they let me kiss them or hold their hand? Like all these questions we have as we are reconnecting after lockdown or even in the midst of lockdown, it's okay. Do the work. The universe does still have our back and it does speak to us. So to be present and, and hear those whispers and see those signs and then to listen to programs like this and have a community where you're not alone and you feel heard and understood and you reach out on Zoom or Skype or you, you have more of these kind of connections. It, it's unfortunate it can't be in person as much as we'd like, but it doesn't stop us from from getting together and having Zoom parties. I'm having one with my staff on Sunday, actually. We're having a party. All my staff all around the world, we're getting together for a party. Nice. So don't let it stop you. <clears throat> well, yeah, and, and I want to just let anybody who's watching, listening, don't underestimate the power of an online workshop or ceremony or True. event because, you know, it's one thing that I started doing with, as an event planner uh, – find different ways you have to go online we, we start doing a cannabis ceremony online will this work <laughs> well guess what it did yeah. and then we got better and better upgraded equipment now we're doing sound journeys and, and many different things oh, stunning. Um, because we want to keep things going and it works if you are engaged if you are present and you, yeah. you're part of it it mm. works because just the way we can transfer our wireless to our phones to our computers everything else we can transmit to each other that energy yeah. Mm. through cyberspace not necessarily through you know there are cables and that wiring but through the natural wireless yeah. network of the universe mm. right yes. and you know i want to thank you for authentically sharing your stories and some you know you shared some pretty personal things that not everybody's going to share with the world and i, I want to thank and acknowledge you for that authenticity and that vulnerability to share you know the things that impacted you where you learned because so many people can relate 
Mm. And when we talk again, back to this lockdown, this letting go, this, Mm. you know, doing the work, what a great time to be doing it. The planet is quieter. There's less air pollution here in my neighborhood. It's quieter. It's cleaner. It's fresher. There's a peace that we are all feeling in a different way. If you allow yourself to let go and tap into that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really beautifully said. Um, One of the greatest compliments Sechian ever made to me is my capacity for contact. And I remember as a coach, when I first started that I had my, this is what we're going to do on our first session today. And then tomorrow we're going to, it was all in my head, right? That's your masculine side too, right? Totally. Right. And then one day I said, oh, screw it. I'm just going to love them. I'm just going to love them. And then all of a sudden this energy went through the Skype or zoom to them and then even through them. And I'm like, Oh my God, where does this end? It doesn't. So our ability to make contact with another isn't just to the outside of them. It's into their heart. It's Mm -hmm. through their life. And to be, to let them into us and to have that beautiful intimacy and swirling of possibilities and cocooning of energy and let that contact be with mother earth. As you were saying, the peace, listen to what she has to say, go for a walk and talk to the trees as crazy as that might sound. They'll talk back. Oh, in my I, experience. <laughs> I'm, I've seen more of it than I've ever seen yeah. in terms of people connecting with trees and nature and just there's a slowing downness that I think, you know, on every coin has three sides in my opinion. Tell me. Right? Well, you have the good side, the bad side, and then the outside. You know, it's uh-huh. got the heads, the tails, and there's a side around that edge of that coin. Yes. So you have the good, you have the bad, and then you have what's real or what's, mm. you know, that, you know, walking that middle path. Ooh, right? that's good. Yeah. And, you know, people say, well, it's one or the other. No, what's in the middle? What oh. brings it all together? And that's where presence is. That's where yes. the real yes. gift is because we're not locked into being right, being wrong, and all of these differences. Mm. And it's being able to see, because if you don't see that a coin has three sides, now we have a very binary world again and division and we need to be bringing everybody together now because Mm. with social distancing, which should be physical distancing because social is not a, uh, you don't measure it with a measuring tape. You don't. Correct. It's six feet. There's a reason for all of that uh, in my belief. And it's, you know, you know, NLP and, you know, there's language and linguistics and how all the keeps us not talking to each other. And we need to be talking to each other and coming together because united we stand, divided we fall. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. So we have to come together more now than whether you want to wear a mask, whatever you want to do, we have to respect that difference. Yeah. Right. Instead of dividing us even more. Mm, and mm. and that's the whole thing I see within this lockdown. We have to reconnect on so many different levels. You stand in a social, uh, physical distancing line and nobody's talking to each other because they're physically distanced as well as six feet apart. Yeah, right? such a great point. I've never heard the three sides to the coin, but I have said there, if we could look at pain and see the benefits and look at pleasure and a little too much pleasure, you forget to pick up the kids and pay the taxes. Like there's a detriment to pleasure. But when we mm-hmm. can see the balance in both, we really are present and can access that sense of grace. So it's another way of saying what you're saying with the three sides of the coin. Yeah. And, and then when you look at a heart, the shape of a heart, you know, through pleasure and through pain, seeing the benefits and disadvantages of both and just being right here, right now, present, burning, rising like a phoenix out of the flame. Yeah, that's yeah. that's our 
that's what we're being invited to do, I believe. So thank you Beautiful. for getting it. And so hey, oh, I totally, it. well, thank you for your kind words coming from you. I'm, I'm going to tuck this one in the bank of references. <laughs> <laughs> now we only have a couple of minutes, um, but I, I, I just wanted to really, you know, find out from you, you know, if you had like one message for the world or there was one thing that you just wanted to see happen, you know, for all of us, hmm. what would that be? And how would we do it? If you can sum that up into a few sentences. Yeah, two minutes, like go the challenge. Um, so well, here's, this, is, here's... this is how I set the, the trigger to have you come back. Oh, very good. Well, I would be delighted. So Ooh. this, here's the statement, become the one to find the one. Hmm. And it's the, uh, I'm, I'm launching a dating app. So I'd, I'd like to invite all people to my world, get into my you know newsletter so I can tell you about the founder circle that's tell launching. Tell us your website and how people oh, can get a hold name. of you and stuff too. Yeah, yeah my, my name, yeah. alanapratt.com, two L's, A-L-L-A-N-A-P-R-A-T-T.com. And we're launching the founder circle in a month. And this app is called Heartmates, like like soulmates, but heartmates. And the tag is become the one to find the one. And initially it's like we started the interview off like, oh my God, I got to find them and then I'll be fine. So it's becoming the one to find the one. And the one is ourself. The one is our beloved. It's our ability to wake up the best in another. It's the oneness with the universe. It's the ability to be that, you know, three sides of the coin you just spoke of, present and heart open in the face of anything. And it's a practice. We don't like, you know, bec maybe becoming the one is even more, more of an accurate tag than become because it mm -hmm. is an active, practicing, humble, brave way of living in life. It's my, my humble daily practice. It's what I teach. And everything seems to turn out better in life when we make contact with self first, heart is open, and then we make contact with another as our best self. And whether that's your lover for 20 years or you just met them on a dating app, whether it's your children, whether it's a colleague, or whether it's just standing before the grandeur of nature, right? Mm. Making contact with self and then saying, wow, thank you. Thank you for my life. Thank you for this beauty around me. So wow. that's how I would like to, that's how I'd like to complete our delicious conversation. Thank nice. you. Nice. Well, I, again, I thank you for the work you do and, and in, in reading your book and, and looking at your work, you, struck me you know i've been doing a lot of work for a long time and i get the pleasure of speaking to a lot of people but you really opened me up to to a lot of different uh, things i need to look at for for my own self too so i thank you for that oh. uh, i love your i love your sparkle in your eye your joyfulness <laughs> your animation uh, it's been a great pleasure having you on and um yeah conscious living writer we're going to air this next wednesday um right. coming up it will be 6 p.m. on 100.5 FM CFRO Co-op Radio in Vancouver. And we're going to have all this information on our website, ConsciousLivingRadio.org, where we'll have links to Alana's website, her YouTube channel, and everything. You can catch up to it on that. And Alana, I just want to thank you again so much for a really fun conversation. It, it, uh, yeah, you opened up my heart just, just being that and just having that, that playful, uh, great, authentic, real conversation. So I thank you very much for that. And if you're open, I'd love to speak to you again about so many other things. Oh, it would be a delight. And thank you for being such an emanation of a noble badass, Mark. So thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. Once again, Conscious Living Radio, we'll see you next week. Thank you. You have been listening to Conscious Living Radio. For free show downloads, additional information about our guests and topics, or details about upcoming programs, check us out at ConsciousLivingRadio.org. 
Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM is political. Co-op Radio is poetry. Co-op Radio is tango. Co-op Radio is gay. Ecology. Comedy. Feminism. Philosophy. Yoga. Reggae. Bicycles. Trade unions. Gospel. Live. Local. Asian. African. Vancouver Co-op Radio is community. Your community. Vancouver Co-op Radio. CFRO. 100.5 FM. All different. All the time.